if you had to boil down your hyper automation experience or maybe this first bot to one or two words, what would they be? Relief. Relief. That's it's, a great it's been, one. It's been a huge relief uh, for, for me with all these data hungry um, co-workers and operations that we have a solution. We can, yeah. we can get you what you yeah. need and want. Welcome back to Bots and Thoughts, the hyper-automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. I'm your host, Jimmy Hewitt, a.k.a. Mr. Automation. Hey, everyone. Before we jump into the conversation with Caitlin, I just wanted to share a bit of a preface for some context. We sat down and spoke for about 30 minutes regarding her entree into hyperautomation. And what stood out most to me about Caitlin is how, even though she's a finance executive, which is a role traditionally and singularly focused on numbers and the financial health of a company, you can tell just how much she cares about her customer's experience. During this episode, you'll hear how hyperautomation fits into the context of customer experience, employee experience, future-proofing and facilitating your own company's growth plans, and my favorite part, saving cost while doing it. I think that everyone out here can relate to the circumstances leading up to Permani Brothers' first step into hyperautomation, regardless of what industry you work in, and we left nothing to the imagination with regards to how deeply we dissected her first RPA bot. Enjoy her thoughts about our bots on our first special guest episode with Permani Brothers Director of Finance, Caitlin Strittmatter. Thank you, Caitlin, for joining us today on our Bots and Thoughts podcast. It's my honor to be interviewing you today. We have a lot of fun stuff to talk about, but before we jump into all of that stuff, you want to say hello and maybe give our listeners a bit of context as to where we're recording this episode and maybe what your company, what your brand means to this community. Well, thank you for having me, Jimmy. Very excited. This is my first podcast. We are here at the uh, Permanis World Headquarters. <laughs> That's what we like to call it. Yes. It's the corporate office, um, pretty small and humble. In the south side, beautiful, sunny Pittsburgh, downtown yes. on uh, downtown Pittsburgh on the south side. And as you mentioned, I'm director of FP&A. So I lead uh, the finance team, work closely with accounting, roll up to the CFO to support the operations of our restaurants. I mean, your brand is iconic for Manny Brothers. Everyone's sort of you Almost guys. famous. What's the story? How did Permanis get started? And um, yeah, what does what does this brand mean to the people of Pittsburgh and beyond? The Permanis Brothers tends to uh, draw a lot of loyalty from mm -hmm. Pittsburghers. Uh, it started in 1933 by a guy, last name Permani, and his brothers. They had, I believe it was a cart that they were selling sandwiches from downtown, eventually evolved to a store. And the idea was having, uh, you know, your two slices of bread and your meat and your cheese, your tomato and your coleslaw and your fries all in one package. The idea was that, uh, you know, steel workers, they're, you know, they don't have a lot of time coming in at odd hours. Uh, they just needed their whole meal in, in a handful. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it started and uh, seemed to catch on. I love how the origin story involves efficiency. Those workers didn't have enough time to sit down, have a full multi 
course lunch. So they put the coleslaw and the fries in the sandwich. How efficient of them. Very. Very efficient. Before we get into what our listeners are here to listen to today, which is us detailing your first RPA solution, why don't you give us a little bit more context about the circumstances leading up to your first bot? Sure. So, um, you know, the COVID pandemic uh, that we're still kind of climbing out of mm-hmm. um, hit the restaurant industry pretty hard. Mm-hmm. So we had to scale down a lot on staff and, you know, kind of really focus on how to be efficient and kind of keep the lights on for a little while there. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, once we were rebuilding and things were kind of normalizing, we had kind of a new environment to deal with mm-hmm. where labor shortages were still an issue. Labor was more expensive. Supply chains kind of off the chains. So we needed to figure out a way. The, the data is more important than ever. The and data. real time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Any of the sales reporting, any of the um, cost reporting, mm-hmm. scheduling, really any of the restaurant data was important to have quickly and accurately and in a good format that they could be making decisions on a day-to-day basis. And you were achieving that, but at what impact to the people making that happen? Right. So, I mean, throughout the process, we kind of made some sacrifices on, you know, how many people do we need to really keep things running? Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of managers were absorbing more of the busy work kind of stuff. And a lot of the regional managers were then taking on more of, you know, the work that those managers, those restaurant managers couldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we really did have a re-sorting, so to say, of responsibilities and kind of a reprioritization. And throughout that process, you risk burnout with, you know, people just feeling like they're working, you know, 60-hour weeks and it's never-ending. So we were trying to figure out a way to, you know, if we can't justify and add to staff, especially at the restaurant level, just to do paperwork and administration, what's a way that we can kind of bring some of that back into the home office, but still keep it visible for the restaurant and on a constant basis, uh, an everyday update? Yeah, something had to give. There was not enough people to do the amount of work that didn't change. There's just more work. Yeah, (laughs) more work. Resources are tighter than ever. How can we maintain the work that needs to be done? Something has to give, and there weren't any obvious options. Right. I mean, the resources that we've had available for a number of years have worked fine, but we're striving to be more scalable. Mm -hmm. And that's something, you know, starting from a a cart in downtown Pittsburgh, now we have 38 restaurants Mm -hmm. plus, you know, one in each stadium. We're becoming more scalable. You know, it's kind of hard when you only have the bandwidth to do so much Mm -hmm. to make a lot of changes. So we kind of just have had the same systems for a while and using them at their max capacity. And I like how you're touching on multiple reasons to get into hyper automation. It's not just something's got to give. It's not just labor constraints. It's not just the work hasn't gone down with the resources. It's gone up. It's future-proofing your growth. You're on a up and to the right trajectory with your restaurant count growing. There's customer experience as a second or third order, let's call it a consideration. There's customer experience if your managers are spending their time doing administrative stuff. 
there's well, employee that's their experience. number one priority. That is their number one priority. And there's the employee experience, right? Which is one of corporate's number one priorities, right? Taking care of our people. So there's a lot that goes in to the reasons why we approach hyper automation. So that was a really, really good point. Okay, let's start to get into it. So that was the context leading up to your first bot. Why don't we zoom in in a very detailed fashion on that first bot? With the bot in mind, what did the before the bot step-by-step look like for the folks whose tasks we have helped automate? Sure. So for this particular um, instance, we had it's eight regional managers that on average have about five restaurants. Mm-hmm. Some have more, some have a little less. Mm-hmm. And the task at hand was every morning, 365 days a year, holidays, weekends, we're open for all of them, mm-hmm. to go in, look at their restaurant sales for the previous day. And what does that mean? Go into... Our point of sale solution. Sure. Online. Yeah. They have a, a, a portal that you can access. Um, sure. Login, username, password. Yep. And then you can run a bunch of different reports out of there. Sure. So for each of their restaurants, they'd run a report, say, you know, what their sales were for the prior day, Mm -hmm. key that into a a spreadsheet, and then run another report that details the labor for the prior day. You know, how many hours were worked, the different positions, overtime, and then key that into the spreadsheet. So would they run that report on the online portal, hit download? It's an Excel sheet that pops up on their desktop. They open it up. They find the data they need, copy, paste into the monthly reporting spreadsheet. Yep. For each of the restaurants. For each of the restaurants. And then using that information, try to look at the week trend, you know, everything that they know about the restaurant, what's upcoming for the day, the rest of the week, the month, trying to forecast out sales, forecast out labor, just trying to get like a snapshot of where we're going to end up labor wise for that period of time. And it was important to do that first thing in the morning, definitely before the restaurant opens, but when the manager of each restaurant is still making their plans for the day, can make schedule adjustments as needed and really be planning out their day. So the hyper automation community looks for manual, time consuming, highly repetitive. Check, check, check. (laughs) And highly, highly voluminous or happens a lot type of use cases. And yeah, I think we checked all those boxes with this. What does the day in the life or the morning in the life of that manager look like post RPA? So now they're able to just log in to our SharePoint site. The spreadsheet is filled out, I think by 7 a.m., the time that we agreed upon, and all the prior day data is there. So now instead of spending all that time filling all the stuff in, and then making decisions on, okay, what's today going to look like? What's tomorrow going to look like? What are my suggestions to each restaurant manager? They can just go straight to that and say, okay, here's where we were yesterday. Now we can look ahead to the future. It's kind of unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge, huge relief for, for me, knowing that they're relieved mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that the home office, we were able to provide that for them. Yeah. But I know it's a big relief for them. Mm-hmm. And they know it's right. It's straight from the system. Mm-hmm. Nobody fat fingered something. Yeah. Nobody keyed in the wrong restaurant accidentally. Mm-hmm. And that stuff happens all the time yeah. when it's not automated. And how about those managers? What do they think about life or work? Or at least that morning, that 45 minutes each morning that they had to do. What did they think about that post RPA? 
they were very thankful. And then they've all had, well, could we automate this? Mm -hmm. How about this other report? Mm -hmm. What do you think about that email I sent? Do you think we could automate that? Yeah. It's like, wow, now that they've seen it work, the wheels are turning. Yeah, the wheels are turning and the number of use cases are starting to pile up. This brings up a good a good point. A common topic in the hyper automation community is given that any organization, regardless of size, only has so many resources to deploy, so much capital to invest, so much time to spend here, there, prioritization is a big topic that we talk about, especially when you have a great quick win like you have and several ideas that are coming up. We can't, I want to say we can't do all of them, but if you extrapolate that out, you really can't do all of them because to cut ahead a little bit here, you had about a dozen, can we do this? Can we do that? Come in, right? And, um, but you've also had a, a second order of, can we do this? Can we do that outside of finance? Right. So now we really have to prioritize. Yeah. So talk about that. What are your thoughts on what to do next post quick win? Initially, before we even did the very first automation, I was selfishly thinking of all of the reports that my team does and automating all of those. You can be selfish. Um, which I knew, you know, there's there's other departments that could be using this and you know, other groups, but being our first, you know, I kind of wanted almost like the trial run to be internal sure, yeah. before I opened it up and you know, sold it to everybody else. I definitely have um, some of my own stuff in my priority bucket, but, mm -hmm. you know, I opened it up to all of the managers, payroll, HR, IT, development, AP, I mean, literally every group. Mm -hmm. And they all started saying, explain this a little bit further, because do you think it could do this, that, and the other? They just couldn't believe the capabilities mm -hmm. of this bot. So in discussing with them and assuring them that it was possible to automate this stuff, you know, they've sent over all of their requests and operations. That's what we're here for. If the restaurants weren't running, then we wouldn't have jobs. So our main priority is to support the restaurants and operations. They've had tons of suggestions on things to automate that would help them spend less time in the office, out there doing the table touches and really managing the restaurant and not managing the office and the mm -hmm. back back office side of things. So picking up on a couple themes there, it's keep the managers touching tables. That's a big priority. Priorities are going to be different for different divisions, departments, even different companies are going to prioritize all these great use cases. Can we automate this? Can we automate that against specific evaluation criteria? How else can we prioritize if we don't have prioritization criteria? How are you thinking through your prioritization criteria? As much as I want to do all you know, finance reports in mm -hmm. our next round, I don't want the operations team or anybody else to think we had a one hit wonder and, and we're not doing any more there. We're going through a mapping process right now of here's the next bucket of reports that I think would be a good idea to automate, mm -hmm. but let's go through the process, uh, how much time is spent, how often we have to do them, where the reports end up going, mm -hmm. what decisions are made based on those, and kind of figure out an ROI on how much is it going to cost to automate and how much time is this going to save us. 
It's also okay to ask for a particular task to be automated. Totally. Yeah. We're going to slip one or two of those in there for sure. Even if it's like a not super pay for itself in three months, like your first one did, if if it's a longer ROI there, there's science and there's art to this is painful. I want this automated. Right. And I mean, part of being a manager is making sure your team isn't burning out and feeling like they're bogged down doing this mundane stuff. So if this is one report that you just absolutely can't stand doing, it is so irritating to you. It might not be, you know, the biggest bang for your buck, but it's going to help me retain this person to stay working here. Yeah. I'll probably. There is ROI there. Yeah. For sure. That's, that's enough return for me. Love that. Okay, let's kind of look ahead. We're talking about the success you had, which was, yeah, for the listeners out there, a little bit more detail for the master's PhD level dissection that we promise our listeners is just to recap the use case on this bot. We had eight managers who spent about 45 minutes each per morning running a report, login, username, password. Caitlin walked you through the select the restaurant, the the date, the report parameters, run, it downloads to their desktop, they open it up, copy, paste the data they need into the monthly forecasting report. And they do that for the five restaurants they're responsible for roughly. I mean, there's eight of this happening every morning before the restaurants open. That 45 minutes across eight managers is about six hours a day, every day, 365 days a year. And a normal manager's salary brings that out to about $84,000 of payroll that is being repurposed to higher value tasks. And the customer experience that happens in the restaurant that is improved with an extra 2,100 and change hours of these managers now can spend that time in the restaurant isn't accounted for in that number. The employee experience isn't accounted for in that number. It's just a pure repurposing this low value time to higher value time. So who knows what the real value is of that bot. Okay. Wanted to give our listeners that, that detail. Well, that's a pretty big one. Okay. So looking ahead, what do the next three months look like for you and Permani's hyper automation journey? And maybe what does the next year to year and a half look like? I think the next step for us will be looking at the mapping results. We're close to the finish line, wrapping that up, figuring out what reports have the biggest ROI and kind of also blending in a little bit of, but what reports really would be the most impactful on an individual's overall day-to-day kind of workload. Yeah. As much as I want to do everything all at once, that would be a little overwhelming. So, you know, we'll try to pick them down um, off the list one by one. Mm -hmm. And then we'll move on to the next phase of mapping, expanding some of these reports into the other departments, adding in a little bit more that will be direct impact with the operations team and in the restaurants Mm -hmm. and kind of start the cycle again, figuring out what are these processes? How long is it taking? I'm sure that there are process improvements that we can find along the way, even kind of unintentionally figuring out how we want to allocate the money to spend. From my point of view, it's spend X amount of dollars up front, but then it's done forever unless something changes. But when you have a person running these reports every day, you're paying them bi-weekly forever. So it's, um, I don't know, it just makes a lot more sense to me to be making the investment on these automations rather than bogging someone down with more routine tasks. 
you have paid for your software already with this first use case. So now it's total greenfield. What's the most we can get out of this RPA platform? What about the next like year to year and a half? Surely with this much investment being put into efficiency, operational excellence, you're trying to grow the number of restaurants that you have. It seems like you're going to be pretty well positioned for growth. But what would the next kind of round or two of investment in RPA and hyper automation mean to your boss, the CFO, the, the president, CEO, the owners of the company with regards to the future growth plans? It's hard to imagine running out of things to automate. Mm. That would be incredible. Mm -hmm. um, That's the goal. But yeah, um, ideally we'll get to a point where we have so many reports being automated, still like, you know, in the process of the mapping phase and everything having been automated. Now they just, I don't, I don't think there's much maintenance involved, but mm -hmm. if things change, then making sure that the automation is updated to reflect any changes and kind of seeing opportunities for other automations. If there's another kind of plat, like a dashboard of some yeah. sort where we can be storing some of these, I would love to have a person here on staff that their sole responsibility is the report management and then automation. You know, they're kind of like an IT. Yeah. It's like a business architect. Yeah. Yeah. A, uh... Figuring out where efficiencies um, could be found and yeah. any process improvements. There's a new category of jobs being created with hyper automation. Right now, it's looking like director of intelligent automation, chief automation officer at the highest level. On that team, we have process analysts, operational excellence analysts, and a couple of other roles related to the ushering in of automation thoughtfully, methodically, responsibly to the organization. There can be data scientists involved. There can be user experience designers. There can be these super, super roles like the business architect has most of those boxes checked. So I can see a long-term business architect being a, a good investment. I in would love that, yeah. Yeah, that, that's... I think it would be really um, unique for the restaurant industry. Um, Definitely. You know, Permani Brothers, the little sandwich shop that has... <laughs> chief automation officer. Yeah. How cool would that be? <laughs> That'd be awesome. And I think it'll make growing restaurants that much easier. If your operations are that streamlined, what's the marginal effort of the next restaurant? Yeah. I mean, we've grown exponentially over the years and plan to open two more this year, two or three more next year. Mm -hmm. So there's absolutely no plans to slow down. So scalability ever since I started here has been like my number one goal. And I really think the automation is going to help us get there. That's great to hear. Um, okay. So this has been a great discussion. Thank you so much. A couple of rapid fire questions for you before we close out. Okay. Um, they're, they're, they're softballs. Don't worry. Let's try this one first. What most surprised you about this bot and your hyper automation journey thus far? The biggest surprise was watching the bot work. It was pretty shocking during the process, the, the build phase was just a, a recording of me going through the process, you know, logging into the website, what report are you selecting, pick your parameters, mm -hmm. and, you know, talking through what exactly I was doing and, mm -hmm. and how I was making those selections. And then the follow-up meeting to that was, okay, now watch the bot do it. And what took me 
20, 25 minutes, I don't know, from start to finish was done in less than a minute. It was like watching someone work and control the mouse, but mm-hmm. in warp speed. Yeah. That was shocking to me. Yep. I, I knew that that's basically what was happening, but to actually see it yeah. was crazy. Is there a ghost in here? Yeah, that was, that was insane. Just your, your first digital employee. Yes. That's your RPA bot. Great answer. Um, next is if you had to boil down your hyper automation experience or maybe this first bot, to one or two words, what would they be? Relief. Relief. That's a great it's been, one. It's been a huge relief uh, for, for me with all these data-hungry um, co-workers and operations that we have a solution. We can, yeah. we can get you what you yeah. need and want. And I'm not going to be working 16 hours today. Amazing. <laughs> that is relief. Yeah, it's so- a relief for me. It's a relief in the restaurant. It's a relief for the owners. Amazing. Knowing that we're... Yeah, being efficient. Something had to give and something did. Yes. And that was a relief. Yeah, I really do think about hyper automation as a pressure release valve to any organization who's bringing it in. There's pressure to do tasks, to do a a variety of tasks that vary in value to the organization. Where's my pressure coming from? It's my time commitments on the lower value things when I know I have higher value things that also need to be done. I'm really glad you said relief. I think it's um, kind of brought some more excitement mm. into the home office. And, sure. You know, Very modern. I'm not going to have to keep just doing the same reporting every day forever. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. Now I'm going to have time to look at these reports after they're built. Yeah. And I don't have to spend all this time actually building them. You can get creative and put the uh, FP&A financial planning and analysis RPA puts the PA in FP&A. Yes. You can yes. do the planning and analysis now. Incredibly clever. Yes. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Just, just thought of it, but just, and, yeah, I mean, me. you know, we hire smart people, so I'd like to be able yeah. to use some of that. Tap into those smarts for sure. Okay. Last, last question. What guidance or advice might you have for the next director of FP&A or director of intelligent automation, process analyst, our, our audience, what advice might you have for them. Automate everything. Mm. <laughs> the less busy work that you can do, the better off everyone is. The happier you'll be, the more you know, effective you'll be at your job. You know, it doesn't feel like time is being wasted mm-hmm. when you don't have to waste time doing something a bot can do. Well said. I can't think of a better uh, conclusion than that, Caitlin. So thank you so much for the time. Thank you for having me. This has been lovely here in the world headquarters of the almost <laughs> famous Permani brothers with the lovely Caitlin Stripmatter, director of finance planning and analysis. All right. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. Be sure to never miss an episode by hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. Get your hands on more content like this by following us on LinkedIn and YouTube down in the show notes and say hello. We'd love to hear your thoughts, perhaps even on an upcoming episode. Stay tuned for more episodes of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper automation podcast brought to you by Salient Process.